Welcome to the Narrator Roundtable. I am Deanna Anthony, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Gail Shallon. I think I started following Gail on Twitter first in late 2020, maybe early 2021, as a supporter of her work in audiobooks. And in March of 2023, we finally met in person at an APAC-adjacent social event. I found her to be even more compelling in person, in conversation. Gail is an Audiophile Magazine Earphones Award winner with more than a hundred titles on Audible. And we'll speak more about her as a narrator. But first, Gail, can we please talk about puppetry and your personal why? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my why for puppets or, or like why for getting out of bed in the morning? Yes. Or what, what do you, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, we could start puppets with the puppets and we getting can out of bed in the morning. There. There's one sitting right over my shoulder. <laughs> Great. Um, so puppet, puppets and puppetry. I, um, I got my sort of first professional theatrical credits uh, as a in a show that used puppets um, to portray infanticide on stage we had to drown a bunch of babies in a bathtub and we couldn't really use humans for that plus it was a fringe show so it all to be packed into a suitcase and whatnot um so the solution was to use rather muppet-like puppets to represent all the babies we it was a it was a fool's tragedy red nose tragedy if you will um, and so there was lots of silliness and mayhem. We had a giant hose that we manipulated and a giant parachute-like bedsheet that became the house and the oven and all these sorts of things. Um, and it was through that process that I started to get really into the art form and discovered that I think it's one of our most egoless storytelling tools that we have um, in order for the puppet to come to life. We as the puppeteers and we as the audience must communally agree to suspend our disbelief and breathe life energy into this inanimate object, which is the sole purpose of the puppet's existence. And the puppet lives for the amount of time that we agree and we buy in. And then the puppet does like, you know, breathes out and is no longer until we imbue it again. So it's this sort of um, almost uh, spiritual uh, ceremonial ritualistic device that I think has been used in beautiful, profound ways throughout throughout time and around the world. And I, I'm deeply passionate about it. Okay. So with that being the case, how does doing work with puppets, telling stories through puppetry, uh, help you live your personal why? I am one of those performers who knew that I wanted to storytell from a very, very, very young age in whatever format I could and couldn't get enough of it. Um, And I think, you know, I was listening to an interview with Kerry Washington the other night and and she was talking about being an anthropologist of the human condition and that that's a part of what attracted her to the storytelling position as well as a distanced way to work through some of her own relationship to being human and and I feel very similarly that um my purpose on this earth is to ask questions about us about how we are internally externally and how we connect um 
and and try to heal and do better and learn by exploring these stories, these these sort of myths that we tell over and over again, which like also relates back to the communal affair of theater um, and storytelling and how we uh, healthily process catharsis together in order to to learn and improve and and possibly not make the same mistakes or to dwell in the mysteries and the confusion and and the mucky muck that is being a human being. (laughs) Which is being a human being. Okay. (laughs) So we have a topic between us um, that has been discussed briefly, but it has a long lifeline in the field of entertainment, Hollywood in particular, and is a staple in audiobook narration um, in its casting process for some individuals. So it's a multifaceted one. So with that said, let's get into it. So Gail, right. please share about your experience taking on the pressure, the freedom, the responsibility to self-identify in your own casting processes as an actor and as a narrator. Okay. Um, yeah, we have touched on this a bit, like in other conversations, and and it's something that comes up quite a bit. One of the things I really appreciate about being a narrator, um, as opposed to some other forms of acting that I've entertained in my lifetime, is it does feel like there's a bit more agency afforded to at least me and my experience um, to self-identify, to walk up to the folks who are making the choices and say, this is who I am. Please see me as such. Um, Or I'm really interested in X and I have the skills to back it up. Would you entertain me for that for that position? And often it's welcomed, um, not only honored, but welcomed. Uh, but but there is this kind of, you know, trend moment that we're in right now of this, this sort of like movement um, for authentic own voices casting, which which comes with its own <laughs> sort of set of, of issues, um, you know, gesturally performatively it's moving in the right direction but like once you get a little bit below the surface i question so much that it's not just continuing to marginalize folks um and not really giving more equal and equitable opportunities to everybody at the table in my own life um i think i sort of sit in this privileged place of of mostly passing um for the you know, uh, what do I want to say, socially dominant, um, powerful position in like in all of my sort of identifiers, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sort of just white enough in most of the spaces I'm in. I'm just straight enough as a pansexual person in most of the spaces I'm in. I have spent my entire childhood not even realizing that I was trying very much to mask my ADHD and anxiety all my life. Um, and got away with it so much so that it took a lot of years of internal struggle for me to ask enough questions to go get a diagnosis and figure it out. And there were a lot of people in my life who were like, I don't believe that's true. Um, and yet my life is so much better having having gone through that and learned that about myself. Um, a lot of things suddenly made sense. And, and I've had the same experience with my, you know, ethnic identifiers. Um, so going through drama school, right? Like, whatever. I went through drama school five years ago. I went through drama school 10 years ago. But, you know, being a young actor and being told I I must have been something else. I must be something other. I I was othered a lot in a professional sense 
but also ne- it was sort of not um I, I also wasn't clearly not white i don't know so it's it's been a very confusing experience for others i think when they're trying to put on me what they think i might be and frankly confusing for myself um because i didn't really have the vocabulary or wherewithal there's a lot of fear in my family that goes well back for many reasons um that created a lot of hiding of identity or hushing of secrets or um you know brushing to the side certain aspects of who i am um and i think that the invitation that came along with telling deeper, more nuanced stories as a narrator was to dive a little bit deeper into those complexities of my own identity and be able to say, believing I would be heard, this is who I am. Please consider me for such. Um, and also I am this and also I am that. Um, the sticky space there is that sometimes if I'm not clear enough, I get offered things that aren't mine, and it's because somebody else has quite broad assumptions about what they think that identifier might be. So, like, mm-hmm. I mean, this—I don't feel I'm being particularly articulate, but it's very messy. It's very complex, and I kind of get joy and and um, satisfaction out of again making folks get into the mucky muck of being human and really ask the real questions about well, who is telling? What is the voice telling this story? And who is the actor we're asking to do that? And where do they meet? And does that feel like it's enough? And I feel like that's probably a moving target for every single, mm. every single character cast. And to create a checkbox of identifiers for any one actor to be the right voice for a project is probably limited. I don't know. How do you feel about all this? I feel like I've sort of touched on a lot of different things that we've talked about. And, and I, Honestly... just this one subject I would love to do a series because I feel like it's so individualized and so many things intersect in other people's experience that are exactly the same but maybe for a slightly different reason um so yeah I mean in the future I would love to like literally just have an entire series of sessions where this is all we're talking about and we're getting all those different perspectives and experiences but in saying that like you you know you said one thing that really stuck out to me and you didn't emphasize it but you said with the belief that you would be heard (laughs) and that just stuck out to me so that really leads to my follow-up about this I'm very curious, do you ever question your right to be considered for roles or characters or audiobook titles that you feel are or believe to be within your right to be considered for? And the reason I'm asking this question is really like a punch in because I've had someone ask in my presence about the feelings and beliefs that this is for them. But they they questioned it because of how other people would perceive it. So, I mean, are your feelings mm. or beliefs even a part of this process for you? Or, I mean, is is that a thing? I think this is another podcast we can do. But, like, what is truth <laughs> is a question that I've been asking a lot. And what is the more important truth? You know, we are... Um, subjective beings by by nature. Yeah. There is there is no possible objective truth for us. Um and so our truth is a pretty good place to start. 
with a critical eye. And so I think that, you know, that your your colleague's voice in, in their mind that is saying, what will people think, is important to keep in mind. But to start from what do I think about this is probably um, the only place you can start. And it's that uh, duplicitous awareness of both what's going on inside and the world outside that creates the conversation. And it's the tricky conversation that is necessary to have. So, so to answer your question, every time, every yeah. time I ask myself that question, both questions, do I feel like this is mine to tell? And what will other, other people think about my voice telling this story? Yeah. yeah. And if I can make peace with those things, then, then yeah. Then, yeah, it is. But, but you know, really, with, again, having gone through a lot of uh, critical thinking about this, this type of a thing. Yes. And you're not wrong. I think truth. What is your truth? Maybe even how that relates to what what would be considered universal truths <laughs> might yeah. be interesting and i i think it's a series i think that's something that would be interesting to hear from varying perspectives so i don't even have to transition into audiobooks cuz you already did <laughs> so let's <laughs> jump into your audiobooks what recent release it doesn't have to be the most recent but what recent release um of your audiobook narration, would you love folks to know about? Ooh, um, I've been lucky this year. I've worked on a lot of really good books. I'm really excited right now about a book that's actually coming out in February, but it's been announced, so I feel like I can talk about it. Um, this is Eilish Quinn's uh, debut novel. It's a retelling of the Medea story. It's called mm -hmm. Medea. Yeah, and. The reason I'm I'm so inspired to speak about it right now is that um, there's a, there's a wonderful author's note that I just got the privilege of narrating today that actually goes into the questions around um, what is truth and and what is magic, what is science, and what is you know uh, the things we cannot escape because of who we are, where we've come from, and how we've gone through this world. And what are the things that we do have control over? You know, fate, this huge question in, in Greek mythology. Um, what really is, do we have, where do we have ag agency? But this, this beautiful novel, which uh, I believe is being pitched as young adult, but it, it's quite mature, um, really examines Medea's entire life from before she even came into existence. It examines the generations of her family before her. Um, and then follows her from childhood through to what we know as the end of her story and gives her this grace in examining the wholeness of who she is and the why she might have made some of these choices she made from a very different perspective. Um, and it's so beautifully written. It, it was one of these projects where I felt like I was the channel to deliver the story and I didn't have to do much work because okay. it was so well constructed, but also there was some other power kind of working through me. And I actually was lucky to speak to the author who said the same was true for them. They hmm. felt they wrote this book in a month. Oh, wow. They sat down and it just came out of them. <laughs> I mean, it, they'd been working towards it their entire life, but it was one That's of those incredible. things where they're like, right? 
And when you read it, it's even more incredible because you're like, this is so well put together. I don't understand how this happened. But so so it's one of those things that I just feel like is meant to be in exactly the form it is. And I can't wait for it to be in the world. Okay, now I can't wait for it to be in the world either. (laughs) I'm going to put that on my list after we finish talking. So what is an audiobook title that you would pluck from your catalog that you Mm. just cannot forget? I mean, of your 100 plus books. Um, (laughs) And tell us why it made such an impression on you. Okay, this book right here. You're going to see a theme. This is, this is Alone by Megan E. Freeman. Um, okay. It was one of my first uh, big five pub hires. Um, and it, was, oh, it wow. was sort of the moment when I got the contract, I went, I think I'm going to do this for a living. Like, I think this is my job now. I think this is the beginning of something big. I just sort of had that feeling. But I didn't realize how important that story was going to be for me. It, it's a middle grade novel written in verse, um, 400 or so pages, wow. about a young girl she's 12 at the start of the book whose town gets evacuated overnight she somehow gets missed in the fray and survives for the next four years by herself uh well aside from the neighborhood dog named george who's her only companion um, and goes through all these sort of trials of you know epic survival fires floods starvation whatnot but also puberty and the massive changes that are going through her body and her mind and her being. And, and then the biggest challenge of all is um, loneliness, is solitude. Um, and without spoiling the, the sweetness of the end of the book, um, po- she discovers a library. Poetry and li- libraries end up playing a big part. And um, the poetry of Mary Oliver plays a major part in this book, which has also been a big part of my life. And the book just sort of meant so much more to me than I ever thought a, a, an audiobook could be and I'm still working on some stuff around it today um creatively I I won't say more than that at the moment but okay. it's stuck with me quite literally um and there'll oh, be wow. more of this in the future at some point so okay okay <laughs> all right so is there anything that you haven't had the opportunity to do yet that really gets you excited when you think about it mm. I feel like I've been so lucky to do a lot of very different things, which is like also one of my favorite parts of the job is the variety. Mm. Um, I'd really like to do more full cast audio work. I feel like mm-hmm. we're moving into a space where Lisa Kahn once said that audiobooks is where a literature meets theater. And I couldn't agree more. And I love that. That feels like the happiest space in the world for me. Um, and I feel like the full cast or cinematic audio space is that 10 times over. I love working with other actors. I love getting really deep into who that one character is. And I love the world that we're able to create so dynamically now with um, very accessible technology. It's really exciting what we can do. And, and for me as a small person, that was, I'm, I'm a kinesthetic auditory learner. Um, I, I view the world that way or not view. That's probably the wrong sense word, but I experience the world that way. And so creating a dynamic audioscape just feels like the best uh, adventure that we could possibly create for anybody out there. So I want to be a part of that. That's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> all right. All right. So I know 
our time is coming to a close. Is there anything that we didn't get to already today that you would like people to know? Um, I think we, you touched on this and it, and it sort of is sticking with me, this, this um, universality idea. Mm-hmm. I was always taught that we achieve universality through specificity. You know, this idea of not walking a mile in another person's shoes because you'll never know what those shoes actually feel like. You have no idea what their feet are like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the more honest that I can be about who I am and the journey that I'm on and the the stories that I say yes to being a part of, the more widely spread and supportive my my art can be. Um, and so as we continue to have conversations about where we all sit in this industry, I'm going to hold I'm going to hold on to that, that the, the more in my roots I am, the further my branches can t- can stretch, so to speak. Yes, yes. Well, yeah. also, I agree with you because I feel like the more you have comfort and confidence mm. in who you are in that moment and where you are, you know, in the spectrum of the world, whatever is happening, um, the easier it is for people to cut through differences to see connectivity. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're talking about branches and it's like, yeah, like 100%. I think being able to acknowledge and appreciate the differences in people can help you actually discover what is similar between you. So I 100% agree with that. Um, I love that. I know not many would, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, That's all the time we have. And um, this was awesome. And uh, I think we came up with like three other episodes at least, if not total series themselves. So I'm excited to get into that on the back end. Exactly. (laughs) Tune in. They'll be coming. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Everybody, Gail Shallon. Thank you. Thanks, Deanna. Of course. Thank you for joining us for this introductory episode of the Narrator Roundtable. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere podcasts are available, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Audible. We have some incredible conversations about our industry and our craft that will be coming to you starting in January 2024. In the meantime, you can learn more about the podcast and find links to our social media at narratorroundtable.com. You can also submit your questions for our panel of hosts and guests. What's on your mind? We want to talk about it. The Narrator Roundtable is produced and hosted by Andre Santana, Deanna Anthony, Gail Shallon, Kurt Graves, and Lindsay Dorcas. All copywritten material is shared with permission. Music and sound effects are licensed through Storyblocks Audio. All opinions shared are those of the individuals and do not reflect the positions or policies of any company or organization with which they happen to be associated.